On March 4, 1953, Doug Plank was born. He was a 12th round draft choice of the Bears in 1975. He played safety for the Bears from 1975 through 1982. In 1976, when Gary Fensick was driving to Hallis Hall at Lake Forest College for his free agent tryout, his car had a flat tire. Doug stopped and gave Gary a ride. Gary made the team. In 1979, when I was driving home from Bible study, my car died. Some hippies in a pickup truck gave me a ride back to Doug's home. Doug loaned me one of his cars, and then he met the tow truck at my car. When Doug returned to practice after an injury, he said, I'm cured, I just have some of the symptoms. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse lepers, cast out demons. This is Healing the Whole Person on WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio. Good afternoon. This is, as you just heard, Healing the Whole Person. My name is Susie McGinn, and uh, we have in the studio today with me Rosemary Simon, Ann Oakley, Bonnie Quirk, and Angela Tomlinson. But our special presenter today is a woman you, whose name you may be very familiar with. Her name is Elizabeth Yore. And the subject that we're going to be discussing today is the healing from human trafficking. Elizabeth Yor is an international child protection attorney specializing in the investigation of missing, abducted, and exploited children. Elizabeth served as special counsel at Harpo Incorporated for five years from 2006 to 2011. In that position, she acted as Oprah Winfrey's child advocate and in-house litigation counsel. Oprah tapped Elizabeth to investigate and coordinate the sex abuse scandal at the Oprah Winfrey Leadership Academy for Girls in South Africa. Additionally, Liz served as Miss Winfrey's liaison with the South African Police and the Gauteng Prosecutor's Office during the criminal trial and spearheaded the follow-up remedial action reported to address the scandal at the school. Elizabeth also handled the civil in-house litigation matters for Miss Winfrey. Prior to that position, Liz was general counsel for the Illinois Department of Children and Family Services, where she initiated the DCFS investigations into the Illinois Catholic Archdiocese clergy abuse cases. She also created the nation's first child welfare missing wards unit at DCFS, which identified, tracked, and recovered missing DCFS wards. In addition to the complex legal duties of one of the largest child welfare agency, Liz initiated the first federal human trafficking case involving DCFS wards. This partnership with the FBI and the U.S. Attorney's Office resulted in a successful prosecution of the traffickers. 
1995, Liz was named both general counsel and director of the International Division at the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children in Arlington, Virginia. NCMEC is the National Clearinghouse for Missing and Exploited Children, both in the U.S. and around the world. She regularly writes child protection articles for various news sites, including Breitbart, Town Hall, and Daily Caller. Liz is a sought-after speaker, which is why we have her here today, <laughs> and an expert on human trafficking and child protection issues. She has appeared on numerous television and radio shows as a child protection expert and commentator on a range of issues, including child protection, child exploitation, human trafficking, global pedophile networks, and other related issues. I don't have to tell you how pertinent her work is, how important it is that we have her on the program today. And leading our discussion will be Bonnie Quirk. Well, welcome to everybody. I think this is such a serious, serious topic and certainly one that infects every aspect of our society. Would you agree, Liz? Yes, I would, and and I do love the idea that this is part of a healing segment on on the radio, and because I, as we all recall, um, Jesus of Nazareth in the beginning of his ministry, he unrolled a scroll in the synagogue in Nazareth, and read the following: He has sent me to proclaim liberty to captives and to let the oppressed go free. And I think that it's an appropriate biblical passage to talk about human trafficking, which has been a scourge um, for all of humanity. And it's one that was recognized by Jesus in the beginning of his ministry. So I'm delighted to be here to talk with you about um, what your listening audience needs to know, how they can help, and how we can all help heal these victims of this scourge of modern slavery. I think one of uh, one of the most important things for our audience to know is that there is healing. I I think oftentimes many of the girls that are uh, and young men too. I don't it, it, yep. trafficking occurs in both sexes, and I don't think people realize that little boys are as prone as little girls, and that it isn't just. Uh, this idea that a child is kidnapped, it, it can be, they can be trafficked in living at home. Uh, it, it, I think our society needs to know all of the aspects and to know that there is healing. There is healing there for them. Uh, so Liz, what would you recommend? Well, first of all, you're absolutely right, Bonnie. 70% um, of the victims are girls, um, but 30% are boys. And boys tend to be ignored, not discussed when we talk about human trafficking. And so I think it's very important that you talk about that. And what, what we know about human trafficking is that it's not a new phenomenon. 
it is all around us. You know, 25 years ago, people would say, oh, I don't see it in my community. Now, through education, public affairs, um, news media reports, we know that it's right under our noses. It's a few miles from where we all sit in, in the suburbs um, so that we may see these victims, but we do not know they are being trafficked. And one of the most important things that I always say with respect to the public is that they need to be the eyes and ears of law enforcement because this is modern slavery. And as such, you know, we know that criminal organizations, the mafia, the drug cartels are now moving into this area of human trafficking and sex trafficking for the very reason that these victims can be sold and resold numerous times. As we know, Bonnie, you know, once you sell uh, drugs, they're sold and the commodity is gone. Once you sell guns, same thing. But a human being can be resold. And we know that the traffickers um, of one victim alone, and this was my own experience when we were dealing with investigations of DCFS, that one victim would make for the trafficker, the pimp, $250,000 a year. And that's very lucrative trade. And so we know that these victims find it almost impossible to get out from under their predators um, because many times they're uh, confined in space. If they have, um, they're drugged, they have their identification papers taken, they're viciously beaten. Um, they're intimidated, they're threatened, they threaten their families um, so that these young girls and boys, and by the way, the average age of girls entering into sex trafficking, whether they're lured or whether they're abducted, is 12 to 14 years old. So we're talking about mere children here. And to expect them to escape or free themselves from you know, the terror of human trafficking is, I think, too much to ask of them. And that's where the public can come in. And we know the Lake County, Illinois Sheriff's Office has a very aggressive unit making arrests and looking for victims. But we know that the public needs to be eyes and ears. And what I mean by that is that we know that victims end up in massage parlors, nail salons, um, strip clubs, escort services, Mm -hmm. Uh, and um, we need to trust our instincts, you know, and many of these cases have been made because people call hotlines and say, you know, something strange is going on. I see people going in and out of this Fleabag Hotel or this um, strange apartment building um, to really just, you know, call the hotline and report it and let law enforcement do their job. But this is the phenomenon about human trafficking that makes it so difficult for these cases to be made and investigated. These predators and pimps keep moving their victims every month so that it's very difficult to catch them and to charge them with crimes because they're always on the move. And they, they know how to take advantage of jurisdictional boundaries. For example, we know that last year at least 50,000 victims of human trafficking crossed over um, in the southern border into the United States. 
there are approximately, and you know, this is a movable feast with these numbers. I would just caution 300,000 victims of human trafficking in the United States alone. So that they're always on the move. This is a crime of covert, hidden, um, intimidation. And so it's extremely difficult to find the victims, make a case, and then prosecute these traffickers. Um, and we know it crosses all economic lines. We've, we've seen Jeffrey Epstein. We've seen, we've seen Elliot Spitzer, the New York Attorney General. We've seen Bob Kraft, the owner of the New England Patriots, um, frequently a spa in Jupiter Island. I mean, the list goes on and on. So that we're not just talking about the lower end of you know financial society. We're talking about all ends of that engage in this heinous behavior. And so it's incumbent upon people to really you know search their conscience and pray about it and to see where can I help these victims. I have some very specific ideas based on my experience with a case turned out to be a case in Chicago, but Lake County, Illinois played a very, very crucial role in the healing of the victims. Um, we, we need good foster parents because approximately 70% of the children involved in human trafficking have had some some examples, some they've been in they've been in the child welfare uh, system. They've been, they've been running away from foster care, group homes. So we know that children in foster care are extremely vulnerable. Teens in foster care are are most vulnerable. And remember, if a child has been in foster care as a teenager. They have probably been in foster care much of their lives. They have not been able to be adopted. They have seen several, several homes. And so, you know, first and foremost, you know, not everybody can be a foster parent. It takes an extraordinary human being to give love to a, a, a strange child who's been abused and traumatized. But there's always a call out for good foster parents. Secondly, in one of my cases, we had an extraordinary CASA volunteer. That's a court-appointed special advocate. Those are volunteers that go to juvenile court that represent sometimes the children and advocate for the needs of the child. We need CASA volunteers in our court system that will be able to advocate for the best interest of the child. We'll be able to find resources and to explore things for, for these children to be that surrogate family that these kids don't have. Um, many of these kids have been abused, neglected, um, sexually abused, physically abused, um, and so they don't have a trust factor um, at all for any individuals. And so it's, it's a system, you know, we've had, in DCFS in Illinois, up to 50,000 children in care, all the way down to 12 and 11,000 kids in care. So it fluctuates. But the need for good foster parents and good individuals who will serve as CASA volunteers. What is, Liz, what is um, a CASA volunteer? 
What ACASA is a court. It's called ACASA stands for Court Appointed Special Advocate. They um, sit in the courtroom in juvenile court. They represent the children um, in all sorts of hearings in juvenile court. Children who are abused and neglected. They make you know determinations in talking to the kids, what the kids' needs are. Um, they advocate for the child. They are in many respects the child's voice in in the court system and so as a result it's a volunteer there's training that goes happens and i'm i'm just a great believer in the casa system Um, we had girls that had been involved in human trafficking and we had a criminal indictment against their traffickers but their traffickers were looking for these girls and we had to hide these girls out so that they wouldn't be found. And so we put them in a home of a CASA volunteer where they were protected, where they were nurtured, where they were supported through um, a very, very complex and long federal criminal trial. Now you can imagine a 16-year-old little girl who had been trafficked since she'd been 12 now being called to testify in a federal court. You know, everybody's probably been down to the federal courthouse at one point on Dearborn Avenue, walking into, first of all, into a federal grand jury, a federal grand jury that normally hears, Bonnie, about you know, bank robberies or political corruption in Chicago. But this little girl had to tell these strangers about what was done to her by these awful human beings, the abuse on the streets of Chicago, the violence. And these girls don't see any of the money that they make. That money is taken and rotten, and they're basically robbed blind by their pimps. And I think another thing that should be noted is that many of these girls in the very beginning are tattooed with the name of their pimp. It is chattel. They are viewed as chattel, as property. And um, so they don't have a sense of who they are. So there's an enormous amount of healing and support from the community. Um, and, you know, I, I rely on the, you know, creativity, um, the compassion of the public. Um, we had many kids in DCFS who were going to college. But, you know, most parents send their kids uh, care packages, right? You know, these kids had nobody to send them care packages. Um, And yet, you know, some inventive family members um, in a community decided to put care packages together for DCFS kids. These DCFS kids, when college closes down at Thanksgiving and Christmas, had nowhere to go. They couldn't go home. Um, And so, you know, there's all sorts of practical considerations for DCFS kids um, that may not require the huge involvement and commitment of foster care, but could also help, but could help them know that they're cared for and loved. And so these victims of human trafficking, which are on our streets in Lake County, um, in places that you probably drive past every day. Um, they need to be intervened early, as quickly as possible. Uh, Many of these girls and boys are ultimately end up dead 
um, end up in a morgue, no one knowing who they are. Hmm. And, you know, they're the forgotten children. And at, DC, at DCFS, this is, you know, this, this, you know, the crazy thing is that when I got to DCFS, there was nobody looking for the missing children of DCFS. We had hundreds of children missing from DCFS. Hmm. And it was only until 2014 when there was finally a federal law mandating all the DCFS systems in the country to look for their missing wards. These are highly endangered kids. I'm sure people see those flyers at the door at Sam's Club in Walmart of missing kids. Have you seen me? These are real children. These are children, many of whom are on the street, many children that are falling through the cracks. And the vast majority of those kids, are when they're found, they're found because somebody looked at the flyers and recognized that child and called the hotline, 1-800-THE-LOST. Um, and so, you know, people don't understand that it's the public that becomes the partner with law enforcement in the sense of intervening to do those things that we can do as mothers, as fathers, as Christians, as parishioners, um, getting together. And, and the resources, by the way, are just woefully inadequate. Now, the good news is um, that there's been a very, very hefty grant um, given to a safe place here in the northern suburbs in Lake County for human trafficking to provide services to victims of human trafficking. That's a huge step forward. Um, and Safe Place is a great organization that's you know, going to be able to provide you know, training, psychological counseling for these girls um, back on their feet um, and to heal from their trauma. However, Law enforcement will tell you, for example, let me just give your listeners a quick um, idea of what it's like. Law enforcement will have a case where they will go to a hotel where they arrest the Johns, they arrest the pimps, a little flea bag hotel, and then they have five or six girls who have been victims of human trafficking. Those are very expensive um, labor-intensive investigations because you have to get a hotel room for you know the victims. You have to get a hotel room for the pimps. Isolate each each of these entities. You have to interview them. You have to um, all the paperwork. All the you have to cajole the girls to testify against their traffickers. So these cases are labor-intensive. This is not a trap. Are complex cases dealing with highly vulnerable children, and so law enforcement really needs resources, needs the support of our tax dollars, needs people advocating for law enforcement to be able to be involved in these cases, make these cases. Um, so it's it's very complex, and the overlay is that there's enormous intimidation. It's hidden. It's the hidden. It's the hidden crime, and they operate in the dead of night, oftentimes, and constantly on the move. Liz, we're, and to, yes, 
We're, we're kind of winding down for a small break, but we're going to be returning. And I just want to add that CASA is a wonderful organization. And if people can't volunteer, they can financially support and go to their breakfast or their fundraiser and find out a little bit more about what CASA does. So we'll take a very short break and then we'll be back with our guests in the studio uh, for more information uh, at every level that people need to know. So, so you're listening will. to Healing the Whole Person. Welcome back in a few minutes. We'll look forward to hearing from you. Have you listened to it? Hi, this is Wes Riccio from the Holy Family Catholic Bookstore, wishing the fullness of God's blessings upon all those who will soon be receiving a sacrament for the first time. If you have a child, grandchild, or godchild being baptized, receiving their first Holy Communion, or being confirmed, remember that Holy Family has the area's largest selection of gifts, accessories, and supplies to make their special day more memorable. The Holy Family Catholic Bookstore is at 9249 Old Green Bay Road, Pleasant Prairie, Wisconsin. More information, including a virtual tour, is available on Facebook. Want an example of a false sense of security? How about relying on the life insurance you get through work to pay for all of your final expenses? Do you have plans to retire someday? Or do you plan on working for that company for the rest of your life? The fact is, you may lose your life insurance when you leave a company. I'm Matt Tomlinson from Catholic Financial Life, and I invite you to share your hopes and dreams with me. To discuss your options for protecting your family, call me at 847-548-MATT. That's 847-548-6288. Products and services not available in all states. to Healing the Whole Person. This is Susie McGinn. And again, uh, we have a very special guest that's leading our discussion today, Elizabeth Yore, on healing from human trafficking. It's a subject that most of us know very little about because it's so hidden. So she has been uh, opening our eyes and ears to just what is going on all around us without our realizing. So Liz, um, we're going to ask you to continue. And we just one question came up during the um, the break here is regarding uh, those who are being trafficked in high school. Uh, we have a young man mm -hmm. here from uh, a local uh, Catholic high school, and uh, he has some questions about this for yeah. you. Yeah, so my one question was, I, I know that like there's a lot of trafficking that goes on in high schools, but going to a Catholic high school, um, is it still present there in some like more privileged high schools and more privileged areas? 
Well, let me just say this. You all remember the um, the Epstein case, Jeffrey Epstein case. Yeah. Um, that Those girls were out of the um, high-end Palm Beach High School. Um, we know that they're lured from the wealthy as well as lower end. Um, you know, all it takes is a victim to be on a website um, or getting texts or um, on some board um, and getting uh, lured uh, by you know, some predator or somebody, you know, pretending there's somebody else. Mm-hmm. Um, there's no one who is immune from it. And um, while there may be more precautions built in, you know, in a Catholic high school, um, more oversight, uh, no one is immune from being victimized because the predators know how to lure, how to groom, what to say to victims. Um, You know, one out of three teens on the street is going to be lured into trafficking within 48 hours of running away from home. And um, while kids at Catholic schools may come from the more stable families, um, I know of several cases that I've worked on girls from very strong, stable families, but got lured into um, by predator um, by being involved and just being naively assuming that people, they thought they were who they said they were when in fact mm-hmm. they weren't. So... It's, you can never be too complacent about it, in my opinion. And we know, um, based on the Jeffrey Epstein case um, and other cases around the country, for, for example, many of the big prep schools out east, uh, there were long histories of um, teachers at these prep schools who were um, pimping out these children and these students mm-hmm. um, and teens. And so um, you always have to be hyper vigilant as a parent and, and as a kid um, to um, if you, and, and I want to say to parents one thing that they need to always be on guard on oftentimes predators will groom the parents first and then the child okay. so they will say for example and we know this has happened with coaches in college coaches in high school that they will say to parents oh, you know, your kid is going, you know, going to be all American. They're going to get a right to college, you know, but I have to take them on the road to all these um, games, all these uh, conferences. And so initially the parent gets um, uh, groomed by listening to, you know, how wonderful their kid is as an athlete or, you know, whatever, you know, whatever the, the pitch is. Yeah. But the whole goal is to separate the child from the family from the parents from the organic protection sanctuary of the family and so parents as well as kids have to be um, on guard that they aren't being lured um, groomed as we say um, and turn over their kid to somebody who has only one intention and that is to prey on a vulnerable child when they are away from the family so no place is safe um, and um, the other thing and, you know, and you bring up a good point because, you know, we know the problem of porn and pornography and people say, oh, well, I don't, you know, I don't look at child pornography. One of the things that we learned when I was at the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children in our cyber tip hotline was that one out of four pornography images is of a child. So you may be in a quote unquote adult pornography site, 
But we know that those are children. Many, many of those, 70 to 90% of those victims have a history of child abuse. So the victims you're looking at in pornography and people are looking, those are, many of those are traffic victims because we know from victims have told us who have gotten out of sex trafficking have told us that they were photographed, videotaped. Um, they use pornography um, as an adjunct to make money in selling porn movies of these victims. And they also use pornography, and this is what's so heinous, um, to groom and, and train these young victim girls who are 12 years old. Wow. So we know also that 55% of internet child pornography cases are coming from the United States. So we are home-growing this insidious um, practice in, in criminal practice. And what we, I think we make the mistake of kind of separating in silos, all pornography is over here and human trafficking is over here and, you know, never the two shall meet. No. In fact, they all are intersected um, and they feed off one another. And so we have to be, um, when we talk about pornography, um, whether to adult men or adult women or teen um, girls and boys, we have to tell them that by viewing these images, they are contributing to the proliferation of human trafficking. And these aren't, many of these victims are not willing victims. They're not, you know, getting paid. They are victims of human trafficking, which, in my opinion, I think that puts a whole new gloss over what's really happening with this pornography epidemic in the United States. Um, and so human trafficking not only has to be the lens of pornography and how it feeds this criminal enterprise, and is very lucrative itself. But we also have to have a discussion about the um, tool used by traffickers, which is abortion. And we know that many, many of these victims um, are coerced into having abortions, are dragged to Planned Parenthood um, uh, against their will, um, Planned Parenthood is a mandated reporter. They're not, they're not reporting these victims, these underage victims. Clearly, we saw that with the James O'Keefe videos, live action videos. And so this, and it's not a surprise, is it? Because the objectification um, of women, um, the exploitation of women is endemic in Planned Parenthood and they're pushing the agenda of sex education um, and, um, and of abortion um, in young as children as possible. And these, these traffickers need Planned Parenthood so they can send these women out on the street again. When they're not on the street and they're not working, he's not making money. And I think that's, you know, an important fact. And we had, um, I was involved in a documentary where one of the women was saying that she had 17 abortions oh. as a result of being a right. human trafficking. And, and they, are, they, come, they come to a place, but they're their pimp is sitting outside in a car watching everything that they are doing. 
and many, many of them are not only pregnant, they have tremendous STDs that need yes. treatment. And so the pimp does not want them to be any place where they could be reported or whatever. So the girls are uh, really very emotionally unstable. You cannot approach them uh, from the side. Uh, they do not like eye contact or touching. Everything is that they talk about is always looking out the window to see who's there. And, and they, uh, it, they're almost, almost impossible to get treatment because they are so frightened of what m the repercussion may be when they leave wherever they are to get the treatment. And, you know, look, we know that the airlines have all been trained to look for human trafficking victims because what I learned at DCFS is these victims aren't just on the streets of the city of Chicago. They're being trafficked to um, big conferences and conventions to the Super Bowl. They're getting on airplanes. Um, we have had a number of cases where um, airline um, attendants have been able to spot victims of human trafficking and with while and compassion have been able to intervene and um, separate those girls from their trafficker. I think that I know the same thing can be done in the, in the, when they're separated, but they need to have um, an intervention, they need training, and they need, the, they need law enforcement and, and the regulations of the, the state of Illinois to force these facilities to protect these girls. I mean, just as the pimp is making money off of these girls, Planned Parenthood is too. It's the same kind of exploitation. And, you know, all along this, their, their young lives, they're, they're, deeply hoping that somebody will intervene and save them. But um, everybody's turning a blind eye. Um, and so you really do capture, Bonnie, the, um, what we see with these victims. I've had girls at DCFS who would be on the street, would get sick and tired of being sick and tired, and would go to the DCFS shelter where they would get you know, three square meals, a shower, um, and we would immediately try and talk to them about staying there and not going back on the street. And time and time again, they would be too terrified to stay. They would be afraid that they would be killed if they didn't stay. But this is why law enforcement, the power of the federal government, the power of Lake County Sheriff's Office, the power of the state of Illinois, giving these vulnerable victims the power of law enforcement to protect them. But law enforcement can't do it alone. And we have to continually, we have to continually, number one, end a demand by talking what's going on. If we end the demand, there's no financial benefit of human trafficking. Um, and we know the demand is from the very wealthiest billionaires all the way down to, you know, guys who are, you know, $20 um, paying vi these victims. So number one, ending the demand, recognizing the link between pornography and the exploitation of these women in pornography fueling 
on all sorts of levels human trafficking. I mean, for example, they believe that approximately 25,000 women, girls, and boys are on the street victims of human trafficking in the city of Chicago. That's, you know, that's a you know, size of a large suburb. And, um, and yet, we're not intervening. We're not recovering these kids. Um, frankly, prosecutions, we, you know, are just they're barely, I mean, I think there's something like 1,400 prosecutions and convictions nationwide. And keep in mind that number I gave you before, 300,000. 300,000 are involved. And frankly, based on the million or so people that came over the border last year, I would guess that that number is much higher. Um, and so it, we need, you know, a mobilization to really have, you know, a continued discussion about, you know, the wide range of sexual exploitation um, in our schools, in our society, in media, um, in on the Internet. Um, I would encourage people to go to um, the National Center on Sexual Exploitation. That's N-C-O-S-E. There are all sorts of wonderful programs, initiatives that they have with respect to trafficking, with respect to pornography, um, calling out our legislators and having pornography described as a public health crisis, which it is, and viewing it as a public health crisis. Um, and um, so there's all, there, the National Center on Sexual Exploitation has a yearly Dirty Dozen list where they call out companies that are fostering um, pornography, uh, such as, you know, such as Amazon, such as the hotels who had pornography, were showing pornography on their um, PayPal or on their, um, their screens in their room. I mean, there's all sorts of initiatives, both legislatively as well as just societal issues that you can put pressure on corporations um, to stop facilitating criminal activity and and clean up the the culture um so it's not simply being a foster parent there's all sorts of things that can be done and i think bonnie the most important thing is to just educate yourself about this issue no more excuses you can go you you know you can go on youtube and get um any number of great trafficking documentaries um, to learn about, you know, the depth and breadth of this um, scourge in our society. Um, you can go on sites like Porn Harms and the National Center on Sexual Exploitation, um, the National Center for Missing Children, uh, and, and really educate yourself about, you know, the impact of the Internet on children, about filters, about the importance of really having that discussion. You know, I tell kids, and parents, you know, they now have a predator in their back pocket or in their backpack when they carry their cell phone. I mean, it's, people say, oh, yeah, 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 I know, but not my child. Well, guess what? There have been a lot of cases I've been involved in where the parents have said, I never thought it would be my child. So it's, it's opening up our eyes, getting our head out of the sand, and really acknowledging that all of us can pray, do our part, educate ourselves and really be directed by the Holy Spirit about what role to play, whether it's as a parent 
as a grandparent, aunt, uncle, or even being more proactive. Um, but, you know, ha- your your Bible study group, ha- bring in a speaker, have a discussion, give flyers out. There's um, 11 facts about human trafficking that they can get. You know, those are the kinds of things that make a huge difference. And... Um, Fighting the New Drug, which is about pornography. There's great websites out there that are really driven by many people who have been involved in pornography and know the evils. Many people who have been involved in human trafficking and know how difficult it is. But it's only going to stop. We're only going to stop the demand if we start having the conversation. And this is ultimately about healing um, these children, these women, these boys, ourselves, our society, and to recognize that the child is a dignified human being that requires all of our energy, all of our attention, um, and that the child in our society needs a sanctuary, remain innocent, grow up in innocence, and to be able to be free of these, the enormous onslaught that exists with sexual exploitation and predation everywhere they turn. Um, and so, you know, although human trafficking seems to be and is, you know, a scourge that we can't even imagine exists in our society, I think it's a great launching off um, place to talk about the other things that feed into this monster. Um, and if we can cut off the monster um, from its source, whether it's pornography, whether it's protecting kids, um, whether it's ending demand, whether it's having those serious conversations about porn users in our homes, in our communities, in our workplaces, um, we got to have those conversations. And employers need to start having strong um, employee rules about not tolerating use of pornography during employee hours. I mean, those are, it seems to me, common sense um, steps that can be taken. And that goes for the federal government, that goes for the state government, um, and, um, and we'll start people who um, ignore those rules. Um, and, and so, you know, there's a whole host of things that can be done and you know i'm i'm always grounded in the belief that you know christ um gave us and came as a child as an innocent child and we have to keep that image in our mind throughout our lives that whether the child's in the womb whether the child is an infant teen um uh or a vulnerable adult that we as healthy Catholics, Christians need to be there for them because they will cross our path. We know that they, you know, God just makes that happen. Um, we 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 know that all of a sudden we will um, run across somebody that you know our gut and trust your gut. I would say to your audience, always trust your gut because that's that sixth sense that the Holy Spirit gave to us. Um, to say something's not right, we need to help. Um, and we, you know, we as as women have that, and mothers have that instinct for for that sixth sense. Um, so I would encourage people to do that and know 
Um, lots of education out there, um, lots of reading. They can be experts before you know it and to really spread the word about this important um, dilemma that's really sweeping the United States and the world. And um, we can start here and, um, and protect children and to, to announce to the world that in the United States, the child is um, a child of God. And we are going to protect it, dignify it with human rights, um, and really fight for its protection. And um, that's, you know, work of a lifetime, right? I and, think, uh, Liz, and then this, God provides the healing. The sanctity of human life, which has <laughs> been so eroded in our culture, needs to be brought back. Needs to be brought back by the church. Needs to be brought mm-hmm. back by by we who are really the church needs to be reinforced in the domestic church, the family. And if we have that ethic, the sanctity of human life and why it is, why we're made, we're made in the image and likeness of God. We don't get up in the morning and look in the mirror and see the creator. Uh, We see the creature. And I think People have been a little bit worried about being verbal about that uh, because uh, our culture assaults it at every level. So um, I think we're winding down. We are. We we just have a few seconds left, Liz. We just want to thank you so much for your most informative presentation today. And um, I hope that you will come back again soon because this is a subject that we need to to devote a great deal of time to um, for the sake of our children, our grandchildren, our great-grandchildren for some of us, and all our 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 society. So thank you so much. And God bless you uh, for God bless being you with and us. Thank you. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. been listening to Healing the Whole Person on WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio. For more information about this program or to purchase additional CD copies, please call us at 224-206-8455. That's 224-206-8455. Or visit us online at wsfiradio.org. Your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease.